good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Cutter, Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hare. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm woke and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. And we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Native issues are human issues and human issues are Native issues. That's absolutely right, Dega. And this portion of this show is supported by Minnesota 350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, they are. And uh, before we get to our, our guest here, Nancy Bolio of uh, Bemidji 350 and MN 350, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Trump and uh, Santos here. Santos is being uh, checked on too. So that's a good thing. Good thing to feel good here at the six o'clock hour on the civic media record and all over Turtle Island. So uh, let's get with Nancy. And Nancy, I know you're you're doing some double time there. You're a radio guest and a grandma right now. Welcome, Nancy. Well, boujou, Robert. It's a pleasure to be here again. Uh, I'm Nancy Bolio from the Leech Lake Reservation here in northern Minnesota. And yes, Robert, it's been a busy last couple of days. And I'm I'm grandma till Friday. Well, I'm grandma every day, but I'm I'm double duty grandma um, till Friday. My daughter. And Tom are out, um, out of state for work. So I stepped it up, and it's been a workout and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so so what, what – go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said I forgot how much it takes to raise kids. So, yeah, it's a good workout. Um, yeah. So – but, yeah, today um, we actually uh, – we held a uh, press conference and a, t- a dialogue about – um, our treaty partnership with our former defendants in the Firelight Treaty case. And on April 25th, uh, 2023, Clearwater County dismissed all the charges against the 10 remaining defendants cited for trespass after engaging in a ceremonial treaty encampment known as Firelight. And uh, again, Robert, that was, uh, you know, an Anishinaabe-led uh, uh, encampment along the line three easement we held that space for eight days and we did it in peace we did it in prayer and we showed the whole world what it looks like to stand in solidarity as treaty people so again those cases were uh dismissed after the pre- presiding judge affirmed that defendants could allow um that testimony you know that they were invited by the uh native um defendants, the native Anishinaabe people that were out in the line three. And so basically uh, they knew we were right. Mm. And, and it's easier for the courts to uh, dismiss these charges and fight them um, because they know we're right. And I guess, you know, when they dismiss them, they kind of sweep it under the rug, hoping nobody else hears that uh, far and wide. But again, uh, we're at another treaty encampment and we're going to continue to assert those treaties. So, I think, you know, thinking about Standing Rock and, and opening mm. up, you know, the, the door to the future of what it looks like to stand in solidarity, creating a future that we can all thrive in has been a beautiful thing coming out of Firelight. And we see where we're at today that we're kind of like on Chapter 2. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Hey, you know, it was exciting, too, and we run this all the time, is uh, before you started Firelight, I was up at that that great uh, – event up there with thousands of people and i got to hang out with jane fonda and i always will be uh grateful for that yeah you know robert i was just too busy to pay attention to her but I, you know <laughs> it's always have celebrities out there but yeah, it was a really busy day for me and again you know i'll never forget camp firelight and it mm-hmm. just keeps me inspired to continue to do the work that we do because again what good are those treaty rights if we don't assert them? And what good are those treaty rights, you know, those inherent rights to hunt, fish, gather, and travel if the water is poisoned? So um, there's a lot more work to do. And I think, you know, being here at the um, Turtle River, the 1855 treaty encampment, is just an extension of, of the spaces that we hold. And, you know, again, I can't, you know, 
it's just the importance of building that treaty awareness, uh, treaty partnership with our non-native people because we don't see treaty being taught in any of our history books. So I guess it's up to people like ourselves to go out there, assert those treaty rights and, you know, build that awareness and spoon feed our elected officials what, um, why treaties matter. And I think the camp that we're in now is just a perfect example of what, you know, those spaces look like. And we hope, really honestly, Robert, that we inspire other Native relatives to hold space in their own homelands and assert those treaty rights. Because again, it's not a crime to assert treaties. It's a crime to deny them. Well, also, you started this camp in a good way, too. Uh, it was sugar bush season, and uh, a lot of people were coming up and helping work, and that's a beautiful thing, too. And I, I can't wait for my syrup here to come down to the Twin Cities. ho Robert, we need you up here in camp to, to broadcast live. So, yeah, the um, you know the Turtle River Camp is an 1855 encampment. It's just located just about 12 miles east of Bemidji. And the camp supports the need to exercise and retain our treaty rights and responsibilities while protecting approximately 600 acres of wilderness owned mm. by the state of Minnesota. The land um, is just north of the Leechek Reservation boundaries, and it's within the 1855 ceded treaty territory. So again, um, there's 600 acres of, of you know maples and other obviously living things out there, and it's under the jurisdiction of the state of Minnesota. And they are um, planning on to thin out some of the forest, clear cut um, the backside of it. And again, the reason why this, this specific area is important, if you listen to the Madej stories, the migration story, the creation story, and even the Red Lake uh, Trail crossed through that um, area at one time. So wow. this area has cultural significance, and this is why we're doing everything in our power um, to hold space peacefully and to assert those treaty rights. So uh, again, Sugarbush is done, but we would like to, you know, Probably once we get through the spring cleaning and getting ourselves grounded and getting ready for our community round dance, we want to go out and, and do a little fishing and continue to assert those kind of rights, like fishing, you know, the Monoman camp. Yeah. We're going to offer ceremony, uh, healing, all those good things. So for now, since all the snow is finally gone, we just want to um, take a, a break and step back and, and call on a few of our allies to help. You know, the forest has kind of um, got a lot of dead limbs and things like that. So we want to make space for our guests. So when they come in camp, we want to make room for the kids to run and play. Uh, yeah. So it's just actually two miles from my house, too. It's really convenient for me. Wow. You could get on your bicycle. Uh, oh, yeah. Run over there. Oh, wow. I think so, Robert. I got I packed on a little bit in this last year, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I got this this vintage Swin bike uh, that I gave some love to and spent a little money on it to get it back to where it needed. So my goal is to on on a good day is to ride my bike down there and bring some of my fresh homemade chocolate chip cookies to our, our people that are holding space with us. So again, Ooh. you know, it's a place of uh, of peace, uh, love. Uh, you can you know, um, be who you are and just come with a good heart. That's what it's all about too. You know, we got like a less than a minute, uh, Nancy, and what I want to do in the next segment, and now you got to get going soon is, uh, talk a little bit about your history and how you came about this. Uh, we always have new listeners and, uh, your, your show is one, if not the, uh, most talked about show when I when I see people on the streets. You know, they always have good feelings about you and what you do up there. So I kind of want to just talk a little bit about your history, if you don't mind. Oh, I think it's a people get to a little bit about me and all the other things I do because it's just more. Exactly. Hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio presents, and we're talking to Nancy Bolio up in the, the deep, deep north. Uh, talking about what she's doing up there. So we're really appreciative of her. And we're going to talk a little history about her. And then uh, Wendy's going to come on, and we're going to talk some sacred animal stuff. A lot going on here on Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. Hey, 
Ayogama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. I heard sex trafficking happens a lot in Indian country. What is that? Here are some of the real reasons why sex trafficking happens in Indian country. Unequal gender roles that were forced on us by colonization. Communities don't have enough resources. Silence around domestic and sexual violence. Lack of attention and justice for missing and murdered indigenous people. There's a lot of behavior that keeps our communities out of balance. These are just a few true reasons why native communities are targeted by traffickers. When these acts of violence happen in our communities, it opens us all up for exploitation. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Students at participating Twin Cities high schools can get a summer's worth of rides on buses and light rail for just $30 with a summer student pass. From June 1st through September 5th, students can get unlimited rides on buses and trains up to a $3.25 fare. For a list of participating schools and to purchase a pass, visit metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. Again, that's metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. When it comes to mental health, connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Whether you're struggling or know someone who struggles, see connections as comfort, hope, and joy. Like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, seeing your grandma. Together we can find ways to create a path forward. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, this is Robert Pilot, and we're here with Nancy Bolio and Haley, and we are talking a little bit of the history of Nancy, and I'm excited to to uh, let our listeners in, especially the first-time listeners or haven't listened. And they listen to your reports over over the last few years and maybe really don't know who you are. But I I think uh, you had a lot of experience. And then, well, I'm going to let you tell your story. Right. You know, Robert, I think it's been about six years since I've been on the show, too, and, you know, just how time flies. And um, I want to thank you for that opportunity, for giving me um, this platform to share our work here in northern Minnesota. And I also want to give a big shout-out to uh, Minnesota 350 Indian Collective Indigenous Environmental Network and some of the tribes here in northern Minnesota that support the work that we do and also yourself too Robert Native Roots Radio has supported the work we do um, here in our new camp so again you know um, prior to Sandy Rock I, I was a student and um, you know I was returning to college to get my LPN and um, I guess just watching you know Sandy Rock on Facebook really um, hit me, you know, here in, in my heart where I, I felt I just couldn't sit here and do anything. And um, at the same time, I didn't even really know who I was other than just a living being. And there was a calling, a spiritual calling. I felt it, you know, and so I went. And um, being at Standing Rock, I, I got to uh, discover uh, who my people were, who my relatives are, and um find that um, I have more purpose on this earth than working a 40 hour work week and, and shopping. And, you know, so kind of just following our original instructions as our ancestors, you know, did to protect the sacred. And so I was, I was led to standing rock um, by my heart and gave it what I had. And knowing, um, you know, I couldn't be a nurse without clean water. I took uh, my last year off the clinicals, um, to defend the water. Cause again, you know, uh, water is life and how could I be a, a nurse without clean water? So I gave it everything I got, came home and decided I had to put school on hold so I can fight the line three. And as I was doing that, um, MN350 reached out and, um, onboarded me onto their team. And prior to my arrival at 350, Minnesota 350, I should say, um, we didn't do treaties there. 
So, uh, yeah, well, we started uh, a treaty campaign just starting, you know, by having that conversation, Treaties Matter. And, and it was people like yourself and allies along the movement that gave um, our work um, a whole lot of momentum. And together, uh, we're showing the whole world what it looks like to stand in treaties um, in a good way. And one of the biggest things I do that a lot of people don't know is um, I work um, as a... Um, well, I don't want to call it work. I volunteer as a, a DFL, the Democrats, Farmers and Laborers Party. And yeah. I say, you know, treaties are nonpartisan. So all these uh, all these parties need to abide by treaties. So there's a, a lot more work to do. But, you know, just, you know, last year we brought a treaty resolution to the state convention. We passed it. And now we're, we're calling on some of our elected officials to remind them that treaties are in the DFL action agenda. So we're asking them to breathe life back into, you know, those treaties and start having those conversations, um, you know, at, at the state capitol, you know, at, at anywhere they could have these conversations. So, um, yeah, I do a lot of that. And I also work with... Um, our, you know, local elected officials, that's the city council, the county commissioners, and the sheriff's department to un, to um, build those relationships in, in treaty and remind them that they have an obligation to uphold those treaties regardless of, you know, what church they go to, what political party they belong to, how they self-identify, or what their worldviews are. They still have that obligation. So I think, you know, our, our space in camp is a fine example of, of you know, continuing that work forward because, again, you know, the, the Bemidji, um, some of the council members, the commissioners, and, and even law enforcement have asked us, hey, how's the, the sugar bush going? <laughs> and, uh, you know, if we hadn't done this hard work prior to, you know, showing up in camp, I think uh, they would have labeled us as protesters, giving us given us citations, and hauled us out, Robert. But we stood up. We reminded them that they have no um, authority to interpret the treaties, and we held ground, and we're still holding space and building on those um, relationships. Hey, uh, one of the things too that I've learned through you too, and or reminded, I should say, is that treaties work both ways. Uh, treaties are not only just for natives; uh, that it works both ways in a, in a, in a good way for both people or both sides that signed it. Right, because treaties were were intended, you know, um, to for friendship, you know, the friendship treaty, and and to leave the earth in a better way, and you know, and that. Treaties, you know, the, the main component was um, our, our ancestors signed those to protect our way of life. And if you know anything about our way of life, everything is related, even our non-native relatives. So those treaties not only protect our culture, but protect, they protect everyone. And, and that's why it's important that, um, you know, people understand that. And treaties, you know, not only protect them, but they also gave the non-natives the rights to hunt, fish, gather, and travel here in, in our territory. So, you know, th these are things that we continue to, to build awareness with. And a lot of our non-Native people are like, wow, I didn't know this. And, right. you know, it, it doesn't come as a surprise because, again, you know, history is told by uh, the oppressors, right? The ones who won, the the winners of the wars, for sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, there there's just such a big thing happening in this country with uh, – banning books uh and in different states and, and things like that but uh, you know with your help we've been amplifying um the true history but also things that are happening right now that you normally don't see because the mainstream media is just that it's mainstream and it's not really talking about uh issues that affect everyone there's just whatever uh, you know sells more commercials and things like that so I mean, you know, you see a big article that Fox News is down since they've been sued, and it's just like, well, you know what their their plan was to ignite and have people watch your show and be outrageous, and, and we're trying to bring subtle truth to everyone here, and you are. Right. right, and you know, again, you know, just our position at camp, we're breathing life back into our culture and into the treaties and reminding people um, there's a, 
a better way of doing things. And when we stand together, we don't stand alone. And so I think it's really important that we continue building this awareness and, and bringing in more of our relatives and our allies to, to spread the word why treaties matter. And I, I think, you know, um, we're at a point where um, this is the time that we, we can't wait anymore. And, and as you know, too, Robert, a lot of our elders are walking on yeah. and um, a lot of those people stood, those, you know, and fought for those same things. And I want them to take their journey knowing that there's people like myself here that are going to make right by those treaties and defend who we are. And because we are still here and, and we're not going to back down, Robert. And I say that in a good way. Yeah, you got to say it in a good way because it's a good thing, you know, really. And uh, all the work that you've been doing all these years have not gone unnoticed. And again, I, I talk about how much uh, when you come on, how excited people are. And when I'm out in the about in the community, they ask about you. And it's and it's grassroots talking to a grassroots radio station talk, or show talking to a grassroots person. Yeah, we, you know what, Robert, we, we like to, you know, call our spaces that we hold um, organic. It's for the people, by the people. And yes, we have, you know, um, nonprofits that support our work, but these are nonprofits that are really out there doing the good work and really um, giving us um, the funding and the resources to make this kind of um, work happen because without it, we couldn't do it, Robert. So again, I want to give a big shout out to all the people that believe in us, that show up with us and, you know, that stand in love. Again, we have to lead with love and we got to make sure um, we're here to take care of each other and make sure that all of our spaces are safe. Exactly. Hey, do you have any uh, plan of action? Is there any way people can help support you, uh, your work up there? Is there anywhere that they can go? Sure. Um, as soon as I sign off on StreamYard here, I'll share that link on the um, um, uh, on Facebook there. And again, we're taking just you know a small break to um, actually get the camp ready, and we're going to go into some spiritual healing ourselves to make sure that we're really grounded because we feel there's so much good work um, coming forward. It's going to be a year-round thing. We're actually in a land back status now because. Again, you know, we have to protect this forest. There's stories out there. And so um, we really need financial support. We need some boots on the ground at some point. And we, we want to encourage people to come to our community round dance. And we're going to also have a hand drum con um, contest, too. Wow, I better get my voice going. ho -wah. Yeah, ho -wah. And then, you know, <laughs> Robert, come up here. Uh, Again, we'd love to, you know, broadcast live. I think we had a lot of fun at the Kichigumi gathering and broadcasting live with you um, was um, one of the best times on the show, just doing it right on spot. So right. I, um, we got a booster out there, Robert. We got a hot spot and we'll get you hooked up. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, that's a great idea. Once uh, things settle down in my other job, which is coming uh, coming to that uh, time, we're in budget season, you know, uh, fiscal years and we're working hard on that so but after that uh definitely especially if you got a hot spot i definitely could be doing the show up there hey nancy we've got a minute left uh any last thoughts well yeah i just again you know um i want to say miigwech to the people that listen to um this part of the show and even the work that we do and again we really need some support you know and most importantly right now is we need financial help because we want to really um, create spaces for our guests that come into camp and and have the ability uh, to feed them so I will share uh, the, the web or the Facebook page and the link um, in the chat um, once uh, my segment ends and I encourage people to inbox us if they want to come up and visit because we're more than happy to accommodate people on small visits one day uh, visit so come and join us all right N Nancy Bolio of Bemidji 350 MN 350 always pleasure we'll be right back with Wendy Pilot When it comes to mental health, making connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Connections can bring comfort, hope, and joy. Find ways that work for yourself and others like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, creating space to listen. Visit cmentalhealth.org. That's cmentalhealth.org. cmentalhealth.org.
This is Santita Jackson, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I couldn't be more excited about starting our days together, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 a.m. Central, on the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Life is a journey, and the Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas will help you get where you want to go. Located in downtown Minneapolis, this affordable two-year college provides free textbooks, a laptop, meals, career coaches, and a metro transit pass, making DFC the perfect pathway to a bachelor's degree. Turn your dreams into reality at Doherty Family College at the University of St. Thomas. Apply today at dfc.stthomas.edu. Hey, it's Tom. Solar panels are a great asset to your home and they increase your property value. Plus, they're the only home improvement project that pays for itself by saving you money on your utility costs. With spring being the season of home renovations, it's a great time to learn more about the benefits of going solar so you can finally break free from your monthly utility bill. Attend a free webinar from All Energy Solar to learn more. These webinars will show you why going solar is a powerful investment for your home and tell you about local and federal incentive programs, including the 30% federal tax credit. These free virtual events are hosted by all energy solar experts who are ready to answer all your questions about solar, no matter what type of property you have. If you're someone who's thought about going solar but are unsure, then these webinars are perfect for you. Visit allenergysolar.com webinar to register and start your solar journey. That's allenergysolar.com slash webinar. Hi, I'm Kelly Tanky. And I'm Joe Kirk. Tune in to AM 950's newest show, Searching for Service, a show designed to help current and future Rotarians find purpose through service. We are dedicated to sharing stories, experiences, and opportunities for those searching for purpose, value, and meaning. But more importantly, connection through community. Tune in Sundays at 3 p.m. or anytime via podcasts. It's time to stop searching and start serving. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. The world has changed, our economy has changed, and now more than ever, it's important that your retirement savings is set up to generate income, real money, in your bank account month after month while still controlling your principal. And that's what we do. We're Ferguson Financial. We set up people for retirement income. Call us today, 888-429-5569, and check out our retirement income program, Sunday mornings at 9. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Showers and thunderstorms expected tonight with a low of 58, then a slight chance of rain and storms on Wednesday with a high of 79. For more than 40 years, the Great Wall Restaurant has been serving up Szechuan and Mandarin favorites. The Great Wall is located just north of 50th in France on the Minneapolis Edina City Line. Check them out at greatwallrestaurant.us. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Hey, uh, we are here with uh, Wendy and Wendy uh, Sacred Animal Section and we're going to have a special uh, show today. You're going to have uh, half the show. So wow. I'm really glad you could make it and uh, always looking forward to what you, you say. And, of course, uh, learn so much. So, Peeny Gigi, for being on. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. I'm going to be talking, Robert, about the dog flu. 
the dog oh, flu. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so geez. it it has now been detected in dogs across much of the United States. What? Yes, canine influenza, which is H3N2 uh, virus, it originated in birds and it spread to dogs and now can uh, spread between dogs. Transmission of H3N2 canine influenza virus uh, can also be spread to cats uh, from infected dogs, oh. and that has been reported. What yeah, I know it's really it's a scary thing. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I haven't really heard much about it except from my friends. Like I was talking to Florence, uh, and she usually takes her dog Ruben uh, to the dog park. Right. We don't take our dogs to the dog park just they're because unruly. they're just not dog friendly. So <laughs> we just have two dogs that aren't very friendly to other dogs. But you know, she said I haven't been taking Ruben to the dog park, and he's pretty. You know, sad oh, about no. it. Yeah. But here's a an article here I have from the Star Tribune uh, from yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, the title is Minneapolis warns dog owners as canine flu spreads. And it says here it might be Fido's turn to practice social distancing. Remember when we were doing that, yeah. now the dogs have to do it. But it says here, uh, this is written by Josie Albertson Grove from the Star Tribune. And, uh, oh, this is from May 5th, May 5th at 8.55 p.m. Seven cases of canine influenza have been confirmed in Minneapolis, according to state officials, after the virus infected 200 dogs in shelters last wow. month. Yeah, there have also been cases reported in a Noka and Carver counties. Dog to dog uh, contact is the most common form of the transmission. North Loop and Uptown Pups, which is an area in Minneapolis, are especially at risk, according to the Minneapolis Animal Care and Control and the Minnesota Board of Animal Health. Canine flu can also spread to cats, too, according to the State Board of Animal Health, uh, though not to people. So if your dog or your cat has this uh, flu, you cannot get it from them. Minneapolis dog owners are advised to avoid contact between dogs and steer clear of areas where there are lots of dogs. Other pre uh, precautions advised are uh, keep a six foot distance from other dogs on walks. Mm -hmm. you, you know, this is another thing that Florence said when she walked Ruben and she saw another dog and, you know, the owners kind of nod to themselves like, yeah, they're friendly. Like Ruben would be so happy to see another dog and to meet another friend. So she's been avoiding that. And poor little Ruben's probably like, why can't I go see that dog? You know, but yeah. she's got to shuffle him away. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another thing. Keep pet surfaces clean since the canine influenza virus can stay on surfaces in the environment for up to two days. What do you mean environment? Is that like so, outside? Or? Yeah. So like one of the things she was told not to do from her vet was, um, you know, how some nice people will put out bowls of water for the right, neighborhood dogs, right. right? Don't let your dog drink from that because a dog might have the flu drinking from that bowl of water uh they could sneeze in the water they could sliver in the water and then that the on the surface so if, if a dog goes over let's say you know how wanda likes to sniff on those rocks we call them pea rocks <laughs> it's the same pea rocks we take the same They're huge rocks <laughs> huge rocks but a million dogs pee on them uh, so if a dog with the flu goes over to one of those rocks and sli slimes on it, slivers on it, or sneezes on it, it could stay on, on that area for two days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it says consult your veterinarian on vaccinating your pet against the disease. So there is a dog flu uh, vaccination, although I believe and I have heard that they are in short supply. Oh so I would, God. yeah, ask your vet if if they have the vaccine. And if your dog is older, I mean, I, I would assume, I'm just guessing this is my personal opinion, but if your dog is older that has health conditions, you might want to have them vaccinated where a young, you know, two-year-old healthy puppy, you know, might be okay. 
Hmm. Um, consult your pet's veterinarian if there are any uh, symptoms of canine flu, including cough, fever, runny eyes or nose, shortness of breath, difficulty swallowing or excessive throat clearing, lethargy, and uh, decreased appetite or water consumption. Most dogs experience mild to moderate symptoms and recover in two to three weeks. However, uh, there is a risk of more serious infections that could result in secondary conditions like pneumonia, which could be fatal. State and city animal health officials recommend getting treatment advice from a veterinarian. Uh, there is more available information at www.b ah.state.mn.us and i think if you just google dog flu minnesota wow. minneapolis or in your area and i'm sure it's you know like the flu that we get it's different in different areas of the united states it's really good to bring that up wow because i didn't hear about it until your friend told I you really about it i really haven't really heard about it either you know when i took wanda for a walk earlier I saw one of our neighbors and she had her dog in the back of the car, you know, Charlie. And she said she was bringing Charlie back from a training session. Uh, and Charlie has met some uh, four or five new friends. And after I left her, after we had a conversation, I left, I was saying to myself, oh, I should have asked her if they mentioned anything about the dog flu. Right. Or if those dogs are playing together and being trained together. Uh, go, the article here goes on to say at the Lake of the Isles Dog Park, um, Clara Coleman of Minneapolis watched as her miniature poodle burn, poodle Bernie ran circles and dug holes under the park bench. Bernie's young and healthy, she said. So Coleman isn't too worried about the canine flu, but is she? But she is keeping an eye out for news about the disease and is watching for symptoms. Will Chandler said he noticed a drop off among weekday regulars at the dog park and wondered yeah. if the canine flu is worrying uh, people, and that's what's keeping them away. I would imagine it is right. Exactly. Yeah. Weekends are still pandemonium. What is that word? Pandemonium. Pandemonium. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sometimes. You're asking this uh, speech <laughs> impediment some, person? There's some what words the why I can't say. I don't really say that word that often. I guess that's why. Uh, he said with all the people from all over the city coming to get their dogs, um, r they want to get their dogs to come in and run and play off leash. Uh, city of Minneapolis spokesperson Blair Floyd said the city is posting signs at the dog park asking for people to minimize uncontrolled contact between dogs, but the parks will stay open for now. Chan Chandler said he remains to keep an eye out for the symptoms, but said it's going to be a challenge to keep his Chihuahua Dachshund mix Fletcher away from other dogs. Dogs have contact with each other. They're the socialist of animals, Chandler said. They don't know social distancing. So it's really up to us. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. Um, you know, it's really going to be up to us to really keep them safe and uh, keep them away from other dogs. And when I walked Wanda today, I was thinking about the dog flu because I was, you know, reading the article today and I knew I was going to be talking about it tonight on the show. Um, and we, you know, usually when we do see other dogs, we don't go near them just because Wanda is not a dog friendly dog. So, you know, we kind of just uh, do our own thing. Um, but yeah, I think people need to be be careful of it, be aware of it, ask, ask their vet about it. And again, if they have a dog that has um, underlying other health conditions, like for Gracie right now, our dog Gracie, she has a digestive problem oh. right now. And she's older. Um, she has a digestive problem right now where she can't, her body's not absorbing any fat at all. So it makes her really sick and she gets really bad stomach problems and diarrhea. So she's on antibiotics. She's on steroids. She's on a prescription, uh, low fat dog food diet that we have to get special from the vet. And it is really, really helping her. But I think if she had gotten, if she gets the flu, it could be oh, really devastating to her because yep. she's so fragile right now. 
So we really have to, um, you know, be really careful of that. But I wanted to know how much time do we have left? Because I don't want to start another one right I, now. I think we, what do we got about a minute left? All Haley? right. So when we come back, what yep. I want to talk about is um, horse racing. Oh, and I just want to talk about the horses that have died oh. uh, before the Kentucky Derby. Uh, before the Kentucky Derby, so it's a really, it's um, you know, people are still going to the horse races. They're still betting on the horses. You know, I saw a lot of people online on Facebook with their conduct. Kentucky Derby parties at their house, all dressed up in their um, swag and the fancy hats and things like that. But I really want to talk about it's going to be a little bit hard. Um, it's not anything too disturbing. But I want to talk about the downside of horse racing and yeah. what has happened lately and what's in the news. And we do. Talk, we have talked about that before, yeah. so that'll be good to hear an update on that. Hey, sure. you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake. I'm here with Wendy Pilot, and we're talking about our sacred animals which uh, are sacred to us mm-hmm. and so it's uh, good to be talking about that and talking about things that are happening with our relatives absolutely thank you robert hey we'll be right back after this short break stay with us oh. hey Ogama, i've been hearing a lot about this term climate justice what is that climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally it also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Students at participating Twin Cities high schools can get a summer's worth of rides on buses and light rail for just $30 with a summer student pass. From June 1st through September 5th, students can get unlimited rides on buses and trains up to a $3.25 fare. For a list of participating schools and to purchase a pass, visit metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. Again, that's metrotransit.org slash summer dash student dash pass. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let let howl. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Oh, I put the... I put the dog, the dog, there it is. How <laughs> We have people watching us on Facebook. Yeah. So There we go. Hey, Wendy, you don't have your camera on, but you are live. Mm-hmm. It was a little, Haley was a little mixed up. She thought you were a pre-record and I said, no, she's live. I'm live. I'm here. I'm live, but I don't have the camera on me, which I prefer. Haley's waving. <laughs> so before we went to break, I just uh, wanted to give you uh, an update on uh the horse deaths uh, before the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and this is from NPR News, uh, dated May 7th, 2023. And this article is written by Julian Kim. 
the 149th Kentucky Derby may be over, but questions about what led to a string of horse fatalities at its famed track have just begun. Over the last past week, a total of seven horses died in the lead-up to the final race on Saturday, prompting an investigation into the deaths and fueling outrage from animal rights activists, including me. The disturbing death toll seen at the Churchill Downs, home of the Kentucky Derby, is the latest scandal to hit the horse racetracks industry despite recent efforts to make the sport safer for animals. Joseph Grove of the group Animal Wellness Action said the death toll was alarming as a native Louis Villian, I get the passion. I get the passion here and across the country feel about this iconic race. Grove said in a statement, "But the care of the horses must be our first priority, and this cluster of horse deaths is startling." Jeez. It really is. I'm going to go on to read more of the article, but I want to just say, and I've said this before. I had a client once at work, uh, and his job was to stay with the horses, the race horses of the important races and he would take care of them huh yeah he'd take care of them he'd travel all around with them whether it was in a truck or a plane sometimes he said the horses would get on planes wow. and go across the country and race elsewhere and across uh, the united states and across the the ocean to mm. europe and and race and he told me he said wendy he goes these horses are cared for Unbelievably, they get the best food, they get clean water, filtered water, they have air conditioning, there's no flies in their stalls, they really are um, kept so nice. But he, when he said to me, but Wendy, if you could see the way these horses are trained, and his voice trembled, and his eyes filled up with water, he said, it is so cruel, I can't even watch. I have to turn away, and I can't even talk about this. I don't even know how long I'm going to be able to do this job. That's what he said. Wow. That's what he told me. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, go ahead. Hey, there's uh, our, one of our listeners, uh, Nina, who always uh, has nice yeah. things to say. It's a cruel sport. Retiring horses or injured horses don't always get good retirement. No. That's exactly right. Most of them are slaughtered. Once they don't bring in the dollars, mm-hmm. it's off to pet food is what she said. Yep. yep. Okay. And that's crazy because all the drugs pumped into mm-hmm. them, all, it being a commodity, mm-hmm. uh, all these little spindly legs on this huge body. Exactly, Robert. I'm glad you brought that up because they don't let the horses mature to be old enough, right? They're racing these really young horses that bones have not even developed. And like Nina said, they don't go to, uh, they don't go, you know, people think they go, oh, they're going to go to retirement. They're going to be in this field of grass and it's going to be beautiful with dandelions and flowers and they're going to live out their retirement. No, that's not what happens. The horse isn't making any money. The horse is going to the slaughter. It's going to the kill pen. It's going to the the glue factory. Men come and auction them off. Their, Their weight in pounds is worth more and they and they're slaughtered, yeah. and it's horrible. It is horrible. Horrible. Hor- um, you know, when just you for t- profit, it's really a horrible sport, and people don't know the the worst of it. They really don't. When we talk about this, and I should say, when you talk about this, when it's like I can't stop to not only think about that about those carriage horses that are running around mm-hmm. in New York City, mm-hmm. especially, but we still have one in Little Stillwater, and I think mm-hmm. there is in downtown Minneapolis, Minneapolis too, yep. mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. Yep. Yep. So the article goes on to say four out of the seven horses were euthanized after sustaining injuries. The first death occurred on April 29th. Code of Kings, that was the horse's name, a three-year-old gelding repeatedly kept flipping and broke his neck before a race. His trainer, Tim Glideshaw, told Daily Racing Form. Yeah. Glideshore added that his horse appeared to be fixated on the lights at a nearby, nearby DJ booth prior to turning over. On on Tuesday, again, this is you know old, a uh, little bit from the from May fifth. Um, 
NPR. On Tuesday, a horse named Take Charge Brianna was euthanized after getting hurt during a race. Two days later, another horse, Wild on Ice, was also euthanized following an injury during training. Now, if these horses get hurt and there's, you know, these horses... They race them to make the money, to win the race, to to finish. Yeah. The horse gets hurt, injured. Mm-hmm. Now, the most of the time, the horse can be rehabilitated mm-hmm. and, you know, put in a cast and rehabilitated. That takes too much time. It takes too much energy. It takes too much money. We're losing time. We're losing money. Let's get the next horse on the race. Let's just euthanize this one. Let's move on to the next. And that's the mentality of the racing industry. I'm glad you said that because I I always perceived it as, well, their leg's broken and we can't fix it. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting that you say that. A lot of horses can be rehabilitated. They may not be racing horses again, right? They may just be a horse and and live a life but that doesn't make the industry any money they're not going to put their time and money and you know get a vet and take all this time with physical therapy and this and that if the dog if the dog if the if the horse um can't get back on that racetrack and make money yeah they they are just not going to do it you know they just can't do it so the kentucky racing officials launch launch investigation into the deaths. So the Churchill Downs described each horse fatality as unique, adding that there is no discernible pattern um, and that these are all different, you know, different types of uh, deaths that happen to the horses and not just one thing that happened to them. Wow. But every year we hear the same thing. I don't think there's a year that goes by when the Kentucky Derby race happens. It happens once a year. And, you know, leading up to the training and leading up to the and the the race, there's always injuries. There's whether it's to a person, a jockey, whether it's to a horse. You only hear about it as if like one of the horses that are supposed to win get injured and that's mm. the only time you ever or you know or mm-hmm. one of the favorites and uh mm-hmm. so it's interesting that this is coming out especially prior to the race it's just it's disgusting it really well, is the, yeah it's it's just really bad and you know the humane society of the the night United States has been, you know, talking about this for a really long time. Um, the other thing that uh, we just got an action alert and we're really working on um, horse soaring. Have you heard of horse no. soaring, Robert? Yeah. Qu- quickly give that to yeah, us. Yeah, so horse soaring. Did you ever see those Tennessee walking horses yes. that have those high gates and they put their yep. legs up really, really high? Mm-hmm. Okay, to train a horse to do that it's really really painful sometimes they use acid and things and really painful things to make the horses step like that so it's called a horse soaring if you are inclined please call your senator and ask them to please um, sign the bill against horse soaring and that's what we're working on right now Wow, good yeah. one. And I know we'll talk about that more because uh, let's get de- dig deep into that later mm-hmm. Later on. Um, Peeny Gigi, Wendy, thank you so much for being on as always. And I just want to say great updates as always. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now.